0: We are a public policy uh, research uh, institution, but uh, more than that, we have an educational mission. We're seeking to try to place this relationship between the United States and uh, particular friends, allies, and strategic partners on as firm a foundation as possible. Uh, Firmer than it has been, uh, firmer than it is, firmer than it is likely to be unless enough good people on all sides and all points of the compass in the relationship have this as a common goal and objective and work hard and diligently and persistently uh, to make this occur. It's a long game, uh, but no country on the map has been longer in the game of nations than Iraq. Uh, In 2003, uh, it's not an overstatement, though some may th- find it harsh or controversial, uh, to say that uh, America was involved in actions that, in the minds of many, killed a country. Uh, uh, killed a country uh, that has given much uh, to itself, to the region, and uh, to the globe. And uh, This is where, uh, for those who are uh, not specialists in the region, uh, are, are indebted uh, to the alphabet, uh, to legal systems, uh, to urban uh, city and town management, to the just and fair distribution and effective distribution uh, of water. Uh, the alphabet, the museum, the artifacts is not lost on the Iraqi people and the world as well that when the American uh, forces entered Iraq. Uh, a country that had not invaded the United States, had not attacked the United States, and represented no uh, imminent threat to the United States, that the armed forces marched right straight past the country's priceless uh, national museum with its treasures and went straight to the Ministry of Petroleum. Uh, Think of how that looks, sounds, resonates uh, to the people of the country uh, that we are focusing on today. Uh, We couldn't ask for a more qualified, experienced, educated, and intensely focused individual on these uh, issues in his country uh, than the Iraqi ambassador uh, today. Uh, We have with us to uh, serve as the moderator and to guide us through the discussion and the questions, uh, Colonel retired Abbas Dahook. Uh, who is a uh, full fledged member of the National Council on US Arab Relations um, a Board of, of Directors? Colonel uh, Dahok uh, served and lived worked in Iraq. He served as the defense attache uh, for the Department of Defense uh, in uh, Iraq and uh, Saudi Arabia, and then uh, subsequently in the Bureau of Political and Military Affairs in the u.s uh, department of state mm-hmm. um, ladies and gentlemen this is no ordinary country this is not a peripheral part, uh, partner this is not uh, a distant nation this is not a country uh, that uh, should be dismissed overlooked uh, that americans are unaware of and unappreciative of uh, we have what we call uh, in front of us a cerebral massage and uh, thanks to the ambassador Uh, who posted his credentials to the united states several years ago and this is a sequence of previous sessions that we've had uh, for the american people in pursuit of the national council's educational mission this is a follow-up this is a further on this is a deepening this is a heightening this is a broadening of uh, our efforts to increase our information uh, our insight uh, our knowledge our understanding analysis and our ability uh, to better understand a country and the people to which all of humanity is indebted. Mr. Ambassador and uh, Abbas hope please proceed.
1: Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, Dr. Anthony, for uh, your remarks and for the kind introduction. And I uh, welcome every uh, all listeners out there to uh, examine the dynamics um, in Iraq, um, uh, the good and the bad, uh, with our, um, uh, His Excellency, the Ambassador, Dr. Uh, Farid Yassin. Uh, th- thank you for joining us, Ambassador. Um, as, we, as we discussed, as the, Dr. Anthony mentioned, uh, Iraq uh, continues to be a, a, a country of vital interest to the United States. Uh, United States continue to invest uh, blood uh, and treasure in the country. Uh, at the same time, uh, you have also two neighboring countries, Turkey and Iran, it continues also to invest uh, after their interests, and the country itself also has uh, numerous uh, domestic uh, challenges, uh, ethnic challenges, sectarian challenges, economic challenges. But there's a lot of good stories uh, remain uh, uh, also in Iraq. So, before, uh, Mr. Ambassador, before we start uh, um, asking some questions, and before we start our discussion. Uh, I will give you the floor to uh, uh, give us uh, uh, a snapshot uh, about the current dynamics that happening uh, uh, in, in Iraq uh, today. The floor is yours.
2: Um, Colonel uh, um, Daouk, uh, uh, Dr. Anthony, thank you so much for this opportunity, and thank you for your very, very kind words. Um, I can't start uh, this uh, intervention without referring to my Last discussion with you, folks, uh, on the twenty-sixth of uh, February, two thousand and twenty, uh, seemed like a totally different world. We were dealing in person. Uh, I was a little apprehensive a bit because uh, people had started talking about the, the pandemic. But I think very few people had imagined that uh, you know it would uh, disrupt the world in the way it it did. Uh, and in a way, uh, you know, it really united the world because no country is immune, and we're all in this together. Um, uh, but fortunately, you know, we'll soon be out of this, uh, and maybe uh, sooner than uh, waiting for a whole, full year, we'll be able to reunite in person and talk and discuss. Um, so, we're in the month of March. Uh, March is a really special month for Iraq. It's a month of uh, souvenirs and occasions. And I'll start off, uh, if you'll allow me, by uh, Addressing all of those amongst my countrymen and beyond who celebrate Nowruz, which is a you know a celebration of the rebirth of the world through spring. Uh, it's you know this is something that has been uh, celebrated in Iraq from time immemorial. Uh, it's been a national holiday for for a long time, uh, and it 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 sort of is in line with with the with with the. Uh, end of winter beginning of spring particularly in in, in the Kurdish uh, in the Kurdistan regional common uh, area of which where, where nature is really striking um, so it's 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 an occasion to re- rejoice but Iraq being Iraq uh, the month of March also sees uh, us remembering terrible things that happened uh, on the 16th of March 1988 uh, we witnessed uh, one of the world's worst Tragedies that took place in Iraq under the Baath, which was the gassing of the town of Halabja, where something like five thousand people were gassed, most of them uh, women and children, uh, in the most horrible way. Uh, you know, the survivors actually are still suffering from the this, from, from, this, uh, from the from uh, the after effects of of, uh, uh, of of what they were subjected to. Um, uh, still suffering. Um, Of course, we uh, have to also remember the fact that the uh, war uh, of 2003 started on the 19th of March, uh, led to the fall of Baghdad on the 9th of, uh, 9th of April, and uh, here, uh, for most Iraqis, I think uh, me also, you know, the uh, um, it's a mixed bag. It is a it was certainly a liberation because it got us rid of the person who was responsible for the horrors that I just mentioned. Uh, but it also uh, opened up a Pandora's box of uh, things that had that had lain dormant, and that actually were amplified by the actions of uh, people who came in from the outside, funded by uh, you know uh, people who didn't want Iraq to uh, to thrive. Um, so we saw the emergence of Al Qaeda, which was uh, eventually uh, 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 defeated through through the surge. Uh, then the departure of American troops, then the resurgence of Al Qaeda and the form of ISIS, uh, and I have to tell you that you know my my lowest point as an Iraqi diplomat happened on the tenth of uh, June two thousand and fourteen when uh, when Baghdad when Mosul fell to to ISIS, and uh, shortly thereafter and, and actually I, I buy copies of this to give to people to show how wrong they were. Uh, Time Magazine ran a ran a had an issue where the cover had, uh, you know, the contours of a map of Iraq that was burning uh, and the caption read, the end of Iraq, <laughs> well, we're still here, you know, and I think we'll we'll still be here once, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, I think we'll outlive we'll out- we'll out- we'll out- we'll out- all those that have pronounced us dead, um, but it's a slog it's not easy uh, you know we uh, we still have remnants of, of a kind of fighting uh in, from hidden quarters in the in in uh, in sparsely populated areas and from sleeper cells um, we we have to face uh, a terrible a difficult uh financial situation with with the drop of oil prices uh we have to uh, also like i mentioned earlier co- confront the uh, scourge of the pandemic uh but nonetheless uh, we're we're still hopeful you know on top of that over you know 2019 2020 we had uh, a protest movement that led to the fall of the government uh, and the selection of a new government that uh, has as its main task to uh to to start to carry out new elections uh they're scheduled for the month of of october Uh, and i have to tell you and i say this with with some satisfaction because it shows that this is something that the government is really paying attention to. Uh, our, our instructions uh, as diplomats working in, in, in democratic countries is to solicit as much help as possible from our friends and partners and allies uh, so that we can make sure that the elections are carried out uh, in full force uh, under uh, transparent conditions so that the uh, Iraqi population can participate fully uh, and uh, and and so our our you know democratic process can can uh, can proceed, and um, I mean for all those that uh, that want to uh, you know uh, point a finger at what happened in two thousand three, may I remind you that we've had you know five or six uh, changes of government uh, that happened very peacefully, uh, very uh, uh, without loss of life. You know, um, I would not have said this had not. Uh, had I not witnessed what happened on the 6th of uh, January in in Washington, DC, something I never thought I'd imagine seeing. But it's just to tell you that this is uh, not an easy thing to achieve and and also not an easy thing to maintain. And we're trying to do our best to maintain it. Um, This month of of March has been actually quite remarkable in that uh, a historic event took place um, that uh, in fact, can be seen as a as a restart button uh, uh, was a good feel moment. I'm referring to the visit of Holy, His Holiness uh, Pope, Pope Francis uh, to to Iraq. Uh, uh, it was remarkable in many many ways, uh, and to me, it sort of contained three messages. Uh, one was that uh, the message of His Holiness uh, Pope Francis was one has to stay the course. Um, he was uh, ill. Uh, you know, he had been vaccinated, of course, uh, but the pandemic was taking place in Iraq just before, in fact, his arrival, his representative in Iraq contracted uh, the corona uh, virus and fell down. To COVID. I think he's recovering. Thank God. Um, then, of course, the security threats. And please note that just a few weeks ago, uh, you know, rockets were launched at Erbil, where he, uh, the Pope, conducted a uh, massive... Uh, uh, service in a difficult to, def- to defend and protect stadium. Um, so that was a, a great message of, of of hope. You know, stay the course. Of staying the course. Um, the second message was a message of healing, and support to Iraq's uh, minorities and especially its Christian communities. And I think it can uh, best be exemplified by the fact that uh, he conducted a service. Uh, Uh, in Mosul in a square uh, surrounded by churches that had been destroyed by ISIS. He also conducted a service in Baghdad uh, at a church that had been attacked by by Al Qaeda in 2010, where uh, I think they caused the death of 44 worshipers and 14 uh, Iraqi uh, service members. Um, So it's a message of support and of hope and and of healing. Uh, Not an easy thing to, uh, that's not something we should overlook. And the the third message is a message of outreach uh, and and, and brotherhood, uh, exemplified by his uh, two events that he conducted in the south of Iraq. Um, He uh, met with Ayatollah Sistani, who uh, to most Iraqis is the most important voice in Iraq and beyond, a voice of reason, a voice of uh, caution, Uh, somebody who actually saved Iraq with his fatwa in 2014, uh, to uh, all in sundry to rise and, and defend iraq and uh, push back isis uh, and then he conducted a uh, a service uh, or a, a ceremony uh, an event in Nasaria and the birthplace birthplace of abraham abraham is undoubtedly an iraqi because uh, i heard this said once on french television by a rabbi uh, rabbi josie eisenberg in a discussion with uh, elie wiesel that uh that uh abraham was the first political refugee in the world and i heard that and i said well of course that's why he's iraqi you know so um but anyway um, my my point it was it was a message of outreach and of brotherhood and of universal brotherhood that i think we will try to implement in iraq as much as we can um, uh, i have to tell you that throughout his trip i had on heart i was really worried because uh, this is not the first time we expect a lot from uh, a visiting South American. Uh, I will remind you that in 2003, uh, Sergio de Mello uh, went as the envoy of the United Nations. Uh, he uh, arrived in Iraq in June. I met him, I met him there. And he uh, worked to transform what had been an occupation into an internationally sanctioned process under the guidance of the Security Council. Uh, to transform a dictatorship into a democracy. And uh, he was killed on the 19th of uh, August, uh, 2003. And as he was uh, dying, bleeding to death, his message to the people who were speaking to him was stay the course. The mission has to continue, help Iraq. And I I do get emotional whenever I think of this, but uh, uh, it is the same message that uh, His Holiness uh, Pope Francis uh, conveyed with his trip to uh, to Iraq, uh, a message that is fully received and acknowledged by the Iraqi government that makes it its plan of action. We are forging ahead with our elections. And not only there, I think this government has undertaken something that's quite remarkable, which is uh, an attempt to restructure uh, Iraq's uh, economy and uh, revive its private sector, uh, taking uh, very bold measures as it does that. Uh, one of them was a recent devaluation of the DNR. Uh, not a popular thing to do. I mean, we all uh, <laughs> uh, we all suffered from it, but it's it's for the good of the country and it's necessary, and hopefully it'll be uh, a launching pad to uh, much better to come. As to uh, our relationships with the United States and the general environment we live in, well, we do live in, in, a, in a neighborhood that is not very, very uh, easy Um, The thing that we, uh, that I actually, most other uh, Iraqi officials complain about is that most many countries look at Iraq not through a lens focused on Iraq. Um, If you look at the, I mean, you recently mentioned, uh, Dr. Anthony mentioned uh, the Game of Nations. Uh, Miles Copeland wrote a book about this where he discusses uh, the fact that uh, the United States did not see uh, the, the coming coup of 1958 uh, because they were caught up in this in this uh, east-west conflict so iraq was looked at through the east-west conflict for a very very long time now um, especially under the previous administration we were looked at uh, we felt uh, um, very much so with an impact from the the united states relationship uh, to iran uh, we would like uh, our, our partners, our allies, to look at us for us. We I think Iraq is a country that has offered a lot to the world. It can offer a lot more. Uh, and uh, we look at some sort of normalization. In fact, we are in the process of doing this. I can tell you, for example, that my last communications with senior officials in the United States didn't have to do with uh, military stuff, or it had to do with the sale of rice. Uh, so. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll recover our traditional uh, relationships that prevailed in the 30s and 40s and 50s, where uh, the uh, largest medium exchange between the United States and and Iraq occurred through culture, through trade, uh, through technology. Um, and I am pretty confident we'll get there. And we have a vehicle, vehicle to do that. Uh, we have, as you know, uh, signed a uh, strategic framework agreement of friendship and cooperation and these words are very important uh, we've had uh, recently uh, a round uh, that took place uh, last august and we're working uh, in fact to uh, relaunch it and hold the around uh, this coming month so i'm looking forward to that that's part of my job uh um um, you know answering the questions of, of your audience and uh the, the american public is also part of my job so i want to thank you for making me uh do it uh, in an easy and a pleasant way um and I'll, I'll have the floor to you thank you uh
1: thank you thank you uh, mr ambassador uh, indeed uh, the pope's visit as uh, was unprecedented i think also the message of um, URGING THE IRAQI CHRISTIANS uh, TO STAY IN IRAQ AND BE A, be a uh, VITAL uh, ELEMENT, THEY ARE VITAL ELEMENT, BE A GOOD PART OF uh, REBUILDING IRAQ, Iraq. That's, I THINK that, that's, a, THAT'S A GOOD MESSAGE. BUT I WANT TO JUST uh, ALSO TAKE YOU BACK TO THIS uh, uh, EAST-WEST uh, games OF NATION. Uh, YOU ARE STILL uh, in, uh, IN THE CROSSFIRES uh, BETWEEN um, uh, UNITED STATES uh, AND IRAN. Uh, I mean, United States, as you know, they're uh, already in the – they have uh, boots on the grounds. They do have missions to, uh, uh, to do standard security cooperation with like any other countries in the region and in the world. Uh, they do have another mission as well to – like you, you mentioned also ISIS in your, in your statement. To have, they still have a mission to, uh, to conduct counter ISIS campaign. They also have a third mission is uh, to protect themselves because you know the current uh, uh, Iraqi uh, security forces element unable to uh, protect the uh, US unable to protect this, uh, the the international community um, so also the United States have their own uh, they support the PMGs another uh, militia forces or forces outside the uh, control of the uh, uh, Iraqi central government at the same time you have over estimates as that uh, 200,000 um, uh, militias the popular mobilization forces uh, some people call it Shi'ad militias, I don't like to call them Shi'ad militias, but they're all, they're nevertheless militias that operating somewhat outside the control of the central government influenced, heavily influenced by Iran. So again, Iran does remain in the crossfires between a friend that you want, the, the, you, you want your friend, United States, and, and some European countries, you have about 500 NATO forces still operating in in uh, in, in Iraq. So those friends want to help you uh, move forward. At least they're looking after their interests, but they want to help you. And they have also a neighbor thinks they're, they're after themselves. So what do you? How do how do you navigate this? How do you navigate between the friend and the neighbor uh, in the, in, in the in this next two or three years? I mean, you you survived the um, uh, the Trump administrations where there was maximum pressure, maximum pressure. Uh, this uh, may be more of a, on the political side. But how do you contribute yourself? How do you shape that fight, the fights of nations or this crossfire between the United States and Iran? In your own words.
2: <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, look, uh, this, is, this is one of the difficulties. That we, uh, the, I always say that the, the problems that Iraq faces are, are problems that are, uh, that are cumulative and that are inherited. Uh, the current situation with the with the uh, with the uh, presence of armed groups in Iraq uh, has resulted from the fact that in 2014 uh, people had to s- stand up armed groups to fight ISIS, and uh, I and thank God they did because honestly, without the PMF, I do not know how we could have, you know, controlled the country and allowed the uh, uh, Iraqi armed forces to uh, to defeat ISIS wasn't an easy thing to do and so we're in a situation where we have to uh confront uh and transition through uh you know post-conflict situation we're not the first country to have done this it's never an easy uh thing to do uh even when you don't have uh, regional uh difficulties regional political tensions i mean look at uh, latin america you know they, they uh it, it took them you know decades uh, years and decades to to resolve uh, some of these these issues and to uh, com- complete their so-called DDR programs. This is what we actually need, and one of the things that I've, I, I'm really proud of, is I actually managed to get the Prime Minister of Iraq at the time to meet with the Colombian president, because uh, that country also offers us some examples of, of how to navigate this, um, uh, and it, it'll have to be a combination of, uh, you know, economics, of uh, institutional arrangements. Um, um, fashioned and customized to to the specific needs of Iraq. So for example, now we have uh, many people who uh, fall under the umbrella of the popular mobilizations. Um, uh, Let me set this straight, they are part of the Iraqi structure, they uh, in fact are uh, paid for by the Iraqi budget, as are, by the way, the Peshmerga. Uh, you know and uh, and the Iraqi budget comes essentially you know from from the province of Basra which is our, our biggest oil producer um, but uh, uh, right now the they the the, 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 the the popular mobilizations in fact uh, includes a number of groups uh, some uh, that are more uh, sort of uh, standard if you will than others and there is a, a continuous effort to try to integrate them uh, into the armed forces of Iraq, into the regular structures, and at the same time uh, see whether their resources can be used to uh, jumpstart our our economy through the creation of other jobs. Bear in mind that the government is is Iraq's number one employer, and a lot of people uh, join the military because they don't have any other means to um, to feed their families. the one problem that you haven't uh, mentioned, which in fact is sometimes uh, affects uh, the presence of these armed groups is is, is the problem of corruption. Uh, and that's another thing that the government is really intent on on, on fighting. Um, uh, and in fact, we have been uh, tasked to look at how to uh, garner as much international support as we can uh, to resolve this issue and to, uh, if we can do that, it would be great to uh, recapture and, and recover a uh, stolen Iraqi assets okay uh,
1: thank you that was, uh, one, one more yeah. thing I say uh,
2: yeah. on, on with with regard to the uh, to the uh, you know regional tensions may I remind you that between 2014 and 2018 uh, you know when uh, both members of the PMF whatever their allegiances if you will and uh, the United States military uh, were uh, uh, Sometimes in close proximity to each, to each other, not a single incident happened. I think it's because there were, you know, some t- tacit agreements that uh, you know uh, allowed for a modus vivendi that, that, that led to uh, you know a peaceful coexistence uh, that allowed Iraq to start you know rebuilding. Um, and I hope that uh, at some point we will recover that uh, state of being. Um, as to the presence of, you know, of, of, Amer- of foreign troops, not only American troops, I mean, we, we acknowledge, um, I'll be the first to acknowledge that, uh, um, honestly, I think we would have been able to uh, look, defeat ISIS on our own, but it would have cost us much, much more, and it would have taken a lot longer. And so we're very grateful to, uh, to the effort and the support that we received from the, from the coalition, and especially the United States. Um, and, but I'd like to I'd like to point out that right now we have uh, you know arrangements that in fact can't be described as an as an occupation, you know like uh, no matter what people say, um, you know uh, in 2007 for example the uh, total number of American troops in Iraq was around 120,000 and 30,000 thereabouts. Um, and that year uh, I think the United States suffered 900 killed in action. The Defense uh, Department was spending about $300 million a day. And on top of that, uh, I, I, very often, you know, they'd liberate a village, and as soon as they'd leave, the insurgents would come back. Um, and if, if you fast forward to, say, 2017, uh, I mean, the total number of American troops in the region, so Syria, uh, Iraq uh, combined, was under 5,000. Um, I think the expenditures of the uh, Defense Department was under was under 10 million a day, and uh, you had some like 20 casualties all in all. Sad as it was, but uh, most of them were due to accidents. Uh, and on on top of all that, not a single square kilometer that was liberated from ISIS was recovered by ISIS because on the ground, it was the Iraqis who were doing the fighting, and the and the uh, the dying, and so. Uh, as we look forward, at some point, you know the uh, Iraqi, uh, uh, the, the foreign troops, uh, the uh, the coalition, the United States, uh, their role right now, as you pointed out, is uh, to provide us with with training and to help us in the fight against ISIS. Essentially, through uh, the provision of ISR, uh, they don't have, uh, I think, any any combat. Uh, Duties. At some point, we'll, we'll acquire these capabilities, and we'll reach a point where, we'll, where the only American troops in Iraq will be the Marines who are guarding the American embassy. And uh, uh, you know, I hope and I expect that other duties will be all protocol-based.
1: Uh, thank you, Ambassador. Just allow me to uh, just to follow up quickly on this uh, uh, foreign uh, presence in uh, in Iraq. Uh, now, there's uh, uh, the Secretary General from NATO this yes. month announced, uh, remember, increasing their footprint from 500 to about, I think, 4,000 troops uh, to do the same thing, and uh, not, not counter ISIS campaign, to do the train-equip of the, Saudi, mm. the uh, Iraqi armed forces. Now, mm. do you, some people think that this will ease this tension between the PMF and the, uh, and the American presence? So th- this will decrease American presence. And 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 perhaps that kind of calms the water down and allow those uh, NATO forces to uh, uh, to uh, further uh, uh, train and equip the uh, the Iraqi forces and this uh, by by this will allow the Iraqi forces to regain control of the security situation uh, um, uh, in Iraq. Do you think that uh, that surge of European forces might calm the water on the on the uh, on the on the ground between militias and foreign forces, or it's going to be the same thing. Foreign forces are foreign forces. So Americans or NATO, they'll be the, they'll be the target for these uh, PFM uh, PMF uh, elements. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, um, I think NATO is seen as some sort of international organization. Um, and their and their role uh, throughout has uh, not been uh, combat, and NATO is not, you know, associated with uh, any of the previous wars that we've had uh, in Iraq. So I think, you know, in terms of you know political packaging, I think it might be um, uh, an easier uh, thing to uh, to to present, especially that the uh, that the duties of these uh, of these forces will be to train and equip and equip. Um, mind you, the, the United States is doing much of that as well, but they're also uh, participating more fully in the in the fight against ISIS yeah. for the time being. I, you know, nobody will tell you that um, we 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 do not need their their support and their services. We do.
1: Thank you. That was uh, uh, informative. Uh, I mean, jump. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, about jump-starting the uh, economy uh, in Iraq, and I know there's uh, another. Uh, uh, economic cooperation or economic interest or uh, uh, would for, uh, for the united states to uh, boost the economic um, uh, cooperation between uh, iraq and saudi arabia even uh, the, on the under the uh, obama administration there was a lot of push to reopen the arar crossing between you uh, and uh, saudi arabia and uh, eventually now the the, the, uh, the crossing is open. It was closed for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. And this is wide open. And that's a big uh, venue where uh, we can see a lot of uh, um, economic opportunities uh, in terms of, uh, you know, oil-related, uh, infra- uh, agricultural-related, construction-related, and besides also open up the, uh, uh, a, tra- a, uh, a land route uh, to uh, for Hajj in, uh, in Saudi Arabia. How do you see this uh, under this current administration? You know, I have a, a Mr. Burt, uh, McGurk is actually back in the scene, and that was one of his uh, uh, on his one of his files back then. So, do you think there will be another boost in this uh, bilateral relationship between uh, Iraq and Saudi Arabia, uh, not only on the economic side, also perhaps uh, start doing some military to military relations as well? How do you see that going forward?
2: Well, you know, to me, is a I, I think uh, this is a little bit back to the future. I mean, ultimately, maybe we'll reach an arrangement where we will recover, you know, the uh, relationships that we had, you know, at the time of the uh, uh, of the Baghdad Pact, where uh, where our relationships with Iran, with all our neighboring countries, in fact, were, were ideal and cooperation was was ongoing, and in fact, we were on on the, on the verge of merging with uh, with, with Jordan. Um, there are tons of reasons to uh, to, to promote what, all the things that you that you mentioned. Um, you know, uh, uh, um, we haven't talked about this, but one of the things that I'm trying to promote to my authorities, maybe because of my own personal professional background, but I think the real threat to the region is climate change,
1: yeah. and
2: whatever we can do to uh, use our uh, energy and satisfy our energy needs in an intelligent way. In a way that that uh, that uh, you know manages resources well, that that reduces greenhouse gas emissions, uh, will will be beneficial. Uh, and so, uh, one of the things that we are trying to do, and uh, the uh, Trump administration has been very helpful in that also, is to uh, connect the Iraqi electrical grid to uh, to Saudi Arabia. I mean, the ideally, to me, is that this this would extend to uh, linkages to Turkey. Mind you, uh, recall that um, you know, because of the geography of the of the, of the region, the peak demand for electricity in Saudi Arabia happens during the summer. Uh, the peak demand uh, for electricity in, in Turkey happens during the winter, and so uh, it would make sense to uh, put this in, this in the same bag and connect connect us all uh, in in the same grid. Um, um, And the other thing that we're we're trying, working on really hard, that's one thing that we, uh, unfortunately, are paying the price for because of our recent history, is that we're trying to eliminate uh, uh, gas flaring. I think we flare the equivalent of about $2 billion worth of gas every year, and that's, uh, you know, a waste of money, waste of resources, uh, environmentally sinful, no other word, Um, and so um, all of these things are, are are all geared towards you know the right direction of of integrating Iraq back into into its its uh, its environment, in which we do not want to be part of any axis against any other. We want to be you know a a uniter, not a divider.
1: Thank you. What about the, let's see, uh, also on the uh, regional uh, question here, we talked about Saudi Arabia. What about the, uh, you mentioned Jordan, uh, you mentioned Turkey, we talked about Iran. What about your other neighbor, Kuwait? How do you see your relationship?
2: Relationships are great. With Kuwait? Uh, relationships are great with Kuwait. I you know, I'm. Uh, I have to say this because, you know, the dean of the Arab diplomatic corps, somebody I love dearly, and that's uh, um, uh, Sheikh uh, Salman Sabah. But honestly, our, our, our relationships are very, very good.
1: Okay. Uh, let's go back to uh, the domestic uh, issues in Iraq. Uh, you mentioned the uh, elections coming up in October, uh, currently there's uh, 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 budget fights. Uh, we know, we very much know about budget fights in the United States. Sometimes we go years without, without budgets. We go on a congressional, congressional resolutions. But there is uh, the the uh, the budget issue is also political in iraq and and we read a lot about the, the budgets on the oil uh, between the, the kurdish area and the central government on the price of the dollar uh, on employment uh, also ele- electricity is a part of that you know uh, 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 yeah, part of this fight uh, so <clears throat> um, uh, so recently they there was an agreement on a budget then they got backed off on it so talk to us a little bit about those, uh, you know, from insider, insider, uh, insider. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what is actually happening. Will, will they reach uh, something uh, soon and, and move on with it or not? Well,
2: I'm, I'm not so much as an insider. You know, I'm part of the administration, if you will. This is uh, an issue that has is been being discussed by by parliamentarians uh,
1: oh.
2: and uh, uh, for for the budget. And I'm actually one of one of those. Who's as eager as any other Iraqi official to see it to see it resolved? Because, uh, you know, we're we're working on a continuing resolution where we're spending I think, one eighteenth of the expenditure of the equivalent month of last year, and it's very constraining. There there are a lot of things that we'd like to do that we can't. Um, uh, look, this is a this is you know a, a complex issue that has also a, a, you know history. Um, what I can tell you though is that there is a uh, High-powered delegation in Baghdad uh, representing the, uh, the uh, KRG to to discuss this. Um, to me, the uh, the only way out of this is through uh, increased transparency. Um, we, in fact, were the first country to uh, oh, sorry OPEC member to uh, uh, to become members of the uh, extractive industries transparency transparency initiative uh, that tries to reconcile the accounting of you know uh, the federal government's uh, oil budget as well as that of the of the krg I think things like that are are, are needed uh, but i I'm pretty confident that I think within a couple of weeks uh, the issue of the budgets is going to be resolved
1: okay thank you yeah I don't know Anthony
0: if we could uh, open it up to some questions, uh, I see a long list of people who would like to put questions to His Excellency. you uh, your call as to the order in which you, you wish to uh, proceed in that regard.
1: Roger, I'm I'm actually go- looking through it right now, Dr. Anthony. I have a uh, a question here um, um, on. Uh, on the new for the for you on the new administration and uh, looking back at the uh, your experience with the old administration. So uh, what what do you wish uh, uh, what do you wish for under the new administration? If we're, if you were to advise the president or the secretary of state, and also per, uh, from uh, from the trans, Trump administration administration, that you think uh, they need to know from uh, from Iraqi uh, perspective to them, so not to be. Uh, Uh, repeat it again, or perhaps uh, put it on the table to discuss it, uh, uh, so it don't have to be uh, repeated.
2: Well, uh, you know, the – so I've been asked this question before, uh, and I always said that, you know, uh, in the end, reality prevails. Uh, So uh, all of the administrations that we've dealt with, uh, you know, the the, uh, Bush administration and the Obama administration started out with policies that they had to correct in order to take into account the realities of the situation. Um, so, uh, for example, uh, the Bush administration had to launch the surge, and credit goes to President Bush because he did that against the advice of his uh, of all his his, his, uh, his advisors, um, and it worked, um, and we're grateful for that. Um, uh, with regard to the uh, Obama administration, uh, you recall, I mean, all uh, American troops left Iraq. In 2011, and then uh, all of a sudden, ISIS comes in, and so contrary to uh, you know his stated political objectives, uh, President Obama, uh, you know, after I remember the speech that he gave after the killing of uh, you know Foley and and others, uh, horrible uh, uh, events, uh, that he couldn't let this stand, yeah. and and uh, American troops went back to support us yeah. in the fight against ISIS. Um, also in, in Syria, and so in a sense, reality prevailed, and they took corrective action. Uh, with the with the uh, with the Trump administration, uh, if you recall, the first um, uh, the first decision that they took that affected us was the travel ban, uh, and it was a decision that that impacted Iraq while we were at the same time allies with the United States fighting against ISIS, and so we had uh, you know trainers coming back and forth, officers, soldiers. Uh, you know, technicians going to up to to fix it. So it, it was it was really not 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 something uh, you know that that, 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 that that satisfied reality. And so eventually, uh, the decision was rescinded. Um, so uh, you know, my uh, what I what I always say to people is that look at reality and uh, and, and make your policies conform to this reality. Um, mm-hmm. In our case, uh, uh, I, I think uh, in our desires, for example, we've always wanted. To, to have a reduction of of tensions in the area. This is one of the reasons why already in in 2012, for example, we were promoters of the JCPOA uh, or something equivalent. Uh, In fact, one of the rounds that led to the discussions that led to the JCPOA uh, took place in Baghdad. Uh, And I remember I was serving in in France at the time and some officials there actually were uh, were, were, were quite uh, dismissive of, of what, what we could contribute to the, to the issue. But in fact, mm. uh, after the fact, they were quite impressed because uh, the Iraqi team that, that received them was headed by uh, not only Hosher Zabari, who was one of the best negotiators I know of, but also uh, Hussein Shahistani, who was a uh, nuclear scientist who was imprisoned by Saddam because he didn't want to work on his, mm. uh, he didn't want to work <laughs> on Saddam's nuclear projects. Uh, and spent 11 years in Abu Ghraib. Uh, so, um, uh, pay attention to reality, um, and uh, and trust us. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: it, it, it's not going to be a difficult thing, I think this this time around, because uh, most of those players are people we know. I've, I've known, you know, Brett McGurk, he's a really smart guy since 2005 or six. Uh, uh, Tony Blink and I met in 2009, I think. Uh, the the only two uh, senior officials that I don't know of, but I haven't met, are uh, uh, Jake Sullivan and uh, General Dierno. Because the, when when General Dierno went to Iraq, uh, I was actually uh, serving in France. So, but I look forward to making their acquaintance at, uh, at the appropriate juncture. So I'm hopeful. You know the uh, the people in the administration know Iraq very very well. I mean the the, the thing that I will mention is that. By and large, I think the uh, uh, focus of the United States currently is, and as it should be, is entirely domestic, um, uh, and also uh, responding to some sort of shifts in there in the in the general you know, geopolitical uh, structure of the world, with a focus on 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 other parts and on other emerging powers, and you know as a result uh, we're we're. I don't want to say that we're taking the back seat we're still important i think uh, at least for the next 20 30 years but you know
1: thank you thank you that was uh, insightful uh dr anthony has a question go ahead dr anthony
0: mr ambassador we're not that far away uh, long since uh iraq's um position and role in uh, regional and uh, world affairs so certainly in the world beyond its Uh, certainly on the intellectual front, Uh, you have us understand the uh, educational uh, training and leadership development dynamic and uh, operations on the educational front between Iraq and the United States. And and where does this educational uh, priority uh, fit on the scale of Iraqis uh, pressing values and interests as we go forward? Especially with the new um, administration coming into Washington, how would you have us understand this youth component, this educational component of the Iraqi-U.S. relationship, Mr. Ambassador? Please.
2: Well, thank you for uh, pointing your putting your finger on a a critical uh, uh, subject. Um, As you know, uh, the bulk of Iraq's population is young. Uh, You know, we're adding a a million. Entrance to the workforce every year, perhaps even more, and so uh, we not only have to find a way of providing them with the skills that are requisite, uh, uh, but also we have to, uh, you know, expand the economy to uh, provide them with the jobs that will uh, that will, you know, uh, allow them to, to flourish and, and contribute. Um, and so far, we have we we have done a really good job of that. Uh, this is why that most Iraqis uh, seek employment in the public sector, and this is not a sustainable solution. Uh, and this is why um, you know, the uh, Iraqi government launched a, a, a very ambitious program, uh, encapsulated in a white paper uh, to reform the Iraq's economy. And I mentioned one of the elements that uh, this required, which was a devaluation. Um, Throughout history, all Iraqis uh, Iraqis have been interested in education, and, and that's not an understatement. Uh, uh, and many of them looked to the United States to uh, pursue their education. Um, currently, there are actually three universities uh, that are uh, that want to become that are, in fact, American universities in Iraq. There's one in Silmania, and that's the oldest. <laughs> Um, there is one in Dahok and they just uh, started one uh, in, uh, in Baghdad. It seems very well endowed. It's promising. Uh, you know, the irony is it's, it's hosted in one of Saddam's old palaces. So how would you like that? Um, um, but this is something that uh, requires funding. One of the most uh, successful programs that the Iraqi government launched was a scholarship program uh, launched about some 10, 10, 12 years ago to send uh, several thousand uh, Iraqi uh, students to come to the United States to acquire advanced degrees, uh, masters and PhDs. And in fact, it was, was, uh, I would say, too successful because most of these students uh, were, and and it's a program that uh, was uh, so merit-based that the United States used it to uh, select its Fulbright scholars. Um, so education is, it, it, I, I think is, is our way out, uh, but we uh, need to uh, rethink our education. Unfortunately- How uh, uh, many
0: Iraqi we, students, Mr. Ambassador? in the interruption. How many Iraqi students are currently studying in the United States?
2: Uh, in, in the few hundreds. Far too, few. Vers-
0: far too few. versus um, nearly a, a million Saudi Arabian graduates over uh, the years. Yes,
2: I know. I know. In fact, the, the person who launched the educational program that I mentioned earlier had worked for a long time. His name is Dr. Zohreh Hamadi, and I think you've you've received him uh, some time ago. Yes, Uh, and and he actually was, uh, uh, you know, was inspired by the by the Saudi government's uh, efforts to educate its population in the States. He had worked for a long time at the Saudi cultural office here. Um,
1: Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Ambassador. Uh, again, the, you know something uh, with the National Council education, like Dr. Anthony, is important, and we look forward to do more on this side with the uh, with Iraq with the, in, in uh, to do exchange between uh, Iraqi students, American students, uh, and whether the military or civilians. Uh, what, another question came from the audience who talked about the uh, reconstruction efforts. I, mean, I know that the country still uh, you have the security issues and other um, issues on the U.S.-Iran uh, regional uh, challenges. Uh, what are, what's going on in this effort? What's, uh, you know, donor countries, uh, are there any breaking grounds? And uh, just give us a little uh, short uh, update on that, if you will.
2: Far too slow. Uh, but in fact, it's with, they're, they're having some, some marked successes, especially in and around uh, Mosul with the reconstruction. Of uh, you know landmarks that were destroyed by uh, by ISIS, um, there's a concerted uh, international effort with the participation of UNESCO to rebuild the churches and the mosques that uh, that ISIS destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. But but the truth is what what we need um, you know is more infrastructure. Uh, we, uh, if if you look at the if you look at the uh, poverty numbers in Iraq, you will notice that. Uh, uh, the province of Nineveh or the government of Nineveh uh, is near the bottom of the of the list, precisely because of the war. But it is not at the lowest uh, level. Uh, there are two other governors in the south that uh, don't do even as well. And so the the demand for the reconstruction of Iraq is not only uh, uh, to respond to the destruction that uh, that the uh, um, north of the country faced it's also to take and to to, to uh, counter the and fix the decades of, of neglect that many parts of iraq have uh, have had to go through um, you know i'm thinking of diwani i'm thinking of nasari i'm thinking of the province of nisan poverty levels there are very very high uh, infrastructure is very very uh, inadequate and so uh, we have our work cut out
1: Okay, th- uh, good. Thank you. And I think um, um, we can have uh, one more question or two. And I think maybe Dr. Anthony would have a question. And before I ask uh, Doc, uh, Dr. Anthony, and ask a question. Um, also, uh, Mr. Ambassador, um, the uh, Iraqi diaspora in the United States, just tell us a little bit about them. Are they helping you, uh, hinder you? Uh, how can we, uh, how can they collaborate uh, for, to, uh, to help the United States and also Iraq at the same time?
2: So I'm going I'm to look. Uh, thank you for raising this issue. So, uh, in fact, there are uh, two communities in the United States that I would really like to appeal to uh, to help in the reconstruction of Iraq. One is, as you mentioned, the uh, the Iraqi diaspora, and uh, honestly, they haven't waited. I think uh, three years ago at one of the anti ISIS conferences, where um, which was attended by the person, Dr. Mustafa al-Hiti. Who was in charge of reconstruction? Uh, uh, somebody came to see him, uh, representing two businessmen from um, from Detroit. Detroit has the largest concentrations of Iraqis, especially Chaldeans, uh, and and they're there, you know, very successful. I think there's an association of Iraqi, oh sorry, of Chaldean American businessmen. And uh, their combined revenue, of all the company of the companies that are listed there, uh, you know, is around ten billion dollars with a B. So that's uh, they they can do a lot. So they, they came to see him because they wanted to express interest in in the uh, reconstruction of their ancestral homes, and I can only welcome that. And uh, in fact, one of the one one of the good developments of uh, of this current government is that they brought in. Uh, uh, Dr. Sohan Najjar, uh, she's a you know uh, somebody with expertise and experience in in foreign investment. She now heads the uh, um, Iraqi uh, um, I'm, I'm blocking on the acronym um, uh, Investment Commission, and uh, it has connections throughout the world. And so I meant, I'm I'm hoping that the Iraqi diaspora will 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 respond had this year not been the way it was I would have reached out to them and, and, and gone to visit um, the other community that I'd like to reach out to and, and here uh, I think I'm inspired by the model of Vietnam and maybe uh, Colonel Dao can, can comment on this um, so um, I, I I'll give you two examples when when the uh, when the travel crisis happened when the uh, travel I mean the the uh, a travel ban happened. Uh, I was in Washington with uh, the head of the Iraqi Counterterrorism Service. We had a meeting on the Hill with uh, Senator Corker and uh, General Kinani. That's the uh, general's name. Said, "Look, I want to see uh, uh, Senator McCain." Uh, Senator McCain had been very uh, vocal on the issue of the travel ban, so we uh, made a cold call on him, and. Uh, he graciously received us and uh, he showed us a picture of him uh, given to him by the Vietnamese uh, defense minister. A picture represented him floating on a pond surrounded by 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 Vietnamese soldiers. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, he and as well as Senator Kerry and Many, many American servicemen who, had, uh, who are Vietnam veterans played a critical role in, uh, in strengthening the uh, economic ties between the United States and Vietnam. And if you look at the numbers, there's close to a million American servicemen who served in Iraq. These are Iraq veterans. And I would like to uh, appeal to them to come and help us. And um, maybe we could replicate this, this, uh, this model of uh, economic success uh, that the uh, Viet- Vietnam veterans uh, initiated with Vietnam oh
1: thank you this is actually um, uh, a great topic and uh, if we can assist on that uh, also from the council on being the military to military I think mm-hmm. this is uh, this could be a, a, a great way to uh, 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 bridge that that gap on uh, between uh, both countries on the education side economic side military side it's actually a, g- a good uh, good. Uh, a mm-hmm. uh, good venue of uh, vectors to go through it on this i'll uh, pass it to I think uh, no, uh, to Dr Anthony to, uh, if he has a question he yes, ask, or we could maybe give us his uh, uh, final um, uh, thoughts uh, on our discussion today. Dr. Anthony
0: Thank you and, uh, Colonel uh, Hook and it's great to have you as a member of the board of directors been looking forward to you know, being part of that which we seek to accomplish for a very long time. Brings uh, a great deal of value to the table. You're not an academic, and you do know, not, not let a single day pass without dealing with ideas and ideals in institutions and looking for ways to uh, improve the world in which we were born, raised, and in, live. And inshallah, in will continue to live. Uh, but we barely begun to scratch the surface of what it is that we need to know and learn about uh, Iraq. And not just because of its people, and not just because of its country, not just because of its policies, not just because of its positions, not just because of its actions, not just because of its attitudes, all of which uh, the ambassador has shed light on today. Uh, But we Americans have a lot of work to do. Uh, When we led this uh, attack in 2003, Uh, Little did the policy planners and implementers know uh, what was in store uh, for the United States and uh, the peoples that stood with the United States and with the Iraqis uh, who were toppling a brutal uh, dictator uh, uh, whose uh, policies towards its own people uh, were nothing short of in many, most. Too many instances brutal, harsh, cruel, inhumane. But if we step back and try to be clinical, detached, and objective, uh, what is Iraq to us human beings? It should not be a situation where we Americans look at Iraqis and say, oh, those, oh, them, uh, they're the other. Uh, All of us are those, them, and other, to various people who are not ourselves. Uh, But this dehumanizes uh, understanding and thinking and relations and the possibilities for improved relations between uh, peoples of the world. Think of Iraq from another perspective. Uh, Many people look at it as uh, oil and a gas well, not as a country. Many people look at it as uh, a mountain of money and not as the heir and the descendants of an extraordinarily rich culture and history and civilization that has given much to world history, culture, and civilization. Think of the following for a a minute. Half of a millennia, nearly 500 centuries, uh, Iraq uh, was the captain of the team it was the headquarters. It was the center of what now is 2 billion human beings, between a third and a quarter of, of, of humanity. There's much that we stand to learn from Iraq, that we can learn from Iraq, that we must learn from Iraq. And, of course, uh, with the Easter Sunday approaching for Christians, uh, with the New Year having just begun as the... Uh, uh, Ambassador so articulately reminded uh, us of, and uh, Jewish uh, anti Semitism uh, charges and uh, allegations and actions uh, afoot, and uh, a bias against Asians, uh, Confucians, Jains, Hindus, uh, Buddhists uh, are on the rise. Uh, If we look at things through the perspective and prism of Iraq, there's much that we can learn. Uh, For example, it's not just the Judeo-Christian heritage from which we have all become beneficiaries. It's the Judeo-Christian Islamic heritage, and the latter more extensively, intensively, and recently than the other two. And so we've got two thirds of it in focus, uh, but the other third is as important, if not more important on various issues than the first two uh, uh, are aware of by many Americans. And so Baghdad was the capital of what was known as the Abbasid uh, uh, Caliphate, the Abbasid era from which uh, our board member, Abbas Tahook take his first, first name. Um, we did something in 2003 that we must never forget because the people of Iraq and the region have never forgotten. Uh, in the United States Constitution, the questions are asked, why are we a country? Why do we exist? Why do we have a government? And what does that government tasked to do it's four things. It's one, to provide uh, security, domestic safety uh, for its citizens. Secondly, it is to provide for the external defense um, against predatory uh, neighbors and those further afield uh, that would, who would take what we have. And thirdly, it's a system of material advancement and protection and reward and uh, mutuality of, of benefit so that people can have the tangible material things of roofs over their heads and uh, clothes on their back and food and in the, in their bodies and the nutrients uh, to, to make life uh, happen. And fourthly, and by no means least, is a system, uh, a structural system, a governmental system of justice. These four things look at any transition which we've just begun and we're completing with the Biden administration and you'll see that the first four positions cabinet positions and this administration everyone and everybody watching this who is alive their lives have seen those four are are, are the once filled what we did in 2003 was shatter all four Iraq had security admittedly, unabashedly, inhumane, brutal, uh, cruel at times. But the country's people were largely safe in comparison with what happened as a result of any country uh, that's been invaded. Secondly, it had its external defense. No one uh, had invaded uh, Iraq in, in decades and uh, pushing towards a generation since the end of the Iran-Iraq war. That was shattered to smithereens. Uh, thirdly, the country's territorial integrity uh, was uh, questionable. Uh, fourthly, uh, the system of governmental justice uh, gave way to the rise of ISIS. And the resurgence of Al-Qaeda, neither of which uh, happened uh, before, and the country's political independence was called into question too, with the influence, the intrusive influence of one of its neighbors and uh, transnational proxy groups uh, as well. Uh, So we will be dealing with the consequences of this for a long time. Not to mention 2 million Iraqis were killed as a result. Not to mention that uh, 2 million became uh, domestically uh, uh, displaced. Excuse me, not 2 million Iraqis were killed. 2 million Iraqis became external refugees. Uh, two, another 2 million became domestically displaced people. As 4 million people. N- nearly, figuratively speaking, to get the point across, uh, 1 6 of Iraq's total population. In American terms, one-sixth of American uh, at that time uh, would have been 50 billion Americans whose lives have been shattered, whose streams have been crashed uh, to smithereens. This is not to mention the number uh, that have been killed for which I, I do not have numbers and maybe others do not have them. But we focus on the how questions How do we deal with these issues? How do we deal with the consequences? How do we deal with other people's legitimate needs, legitimate concerns, legitimate interests, legitimate foreign relations and foreign policy objectives? We have our work cut out for us. But uh, the Iraqi ambassador has at least started a way for us to see beyond what we read and hear from others about the situation, the reality and the dynamics of Iraq. We're grateful to you, Mr. Ambassador, and for you, Colonel Dahouk, and for others who put questions uh, through which you've put the uh, question and the ambassador has responded. Thank you both.
2: So um, I I wanted to leave on a a positive note. Um, uh, Dr. Anthony mentioned uh, Iraq's history now it's possible for americans to go and, and visit that museum uh, the um, council ministers just uh, passed a, a ruling allowing americans and the citizens of another 30 countries to go to baghdad and ask for a visa and be admitted and all they have to do is pay the the transaction fee which is i don't know 30 30 40 dollars something like that maybe a little more oh, that's great. So, so that's so that actually i i, I like that because it, t- it takes a burden off of my team you know having to give visas is a, is a hassle. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention is, is, is really bittersweet. Um, last week, the last remaining Jewish doctor in Iraq died.
1: Um,
2: uh, his name was Dr. Fadel. Um, I actually had met him, but the thing that I wanna attract your attention to is this outpouring of, uh, of warmth and sorrow and and uh, and the sense of loss that is passing, that that was the, throughout Baghdad. In fact, the hospital where he works uh, has uh, dedicated uh, uh, their largest auditorium uh, to him, and that somebody's working on erecting a statue to him. Um, I, I say this because uh, I think it, it, it is uh, a sign of the importance of memory to Iraqis. Uh, we remember how it was in the 30s and the 40s uh, when uh, we uh, were a very multicultural uh, society where, you know, uh, we still recall with uh, pride the fact that the first Iraqi independent government, had a Jewish uh, finance minister, who was one of the best at, at the time. He, in fact, convinced uh, oil companies to pay their royalties to Iraq in gold so that when the crash came well, a few years later, we were uh, you know, uh, in a much better situation than all the others. Um, so I, I think this attachment to, to, to memory that Iraqi uh, generations pass down the line, I think is one of the things that will help us maintain our compass and, and, uh, and, and reach our objective of uh, rebuilding this country and recovering uh, some of what we had. But for that, we'll need the help of our allies and friends, amongst them, the United States. Thank you for giving me this opportunity.
1: No, thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you for remarks. And we also look forward to uh, continuing uh, uh, working uh, with, with you and with the country Iraq. I'm hopeful that we, uh, uh, rec- Iraq will recover uh, soon, inshallah. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Anthony, also for your, for your uh, remarks and time. Until next time. Thank you.